0: Actually, get out on time. You have been saved this morning. Uh, I'm trying a new rhythm. You know, after my leave of absence, I came back and trying new normals. One of my new normals is uh, I figured the biblical mo- model, Karen, was a good one to pattern. Preach six weeks. Take the seventh week off. Something about that, right? You guys know something about Sabbath, right? Six days and the seventh day you rest. So, figure why not apply that to preaching? So I have preached six weeks, in case you're counting at home, I've preached six weeks. The seventh week happened to fall on Pentecost, and I'm super excited. That my longtime friend, I found a picture of Justin and I dating back 12 years ago, 13 years ago, in my office this past week, and man, we haven't changed a bit. <laughs> Just kidding. That's when, that's when you're reminded of how old you have become. Not you, Justin, me. Uh, but anyways, Justin Maine is going to come and preach to us today on Pentecost Sunday, and we're so blessed to have Justin. Would you welcome Justin as he comes?
1: voice was really filling the room, and this is Pentecost Sunday, but I don't think we want it to fill it quite like it was. All right, so, yes, Pentecost Sunday. So, as uh, Aspen mentioned, all right, so Pentecost Sunday is a holiday on the Christian calendar, right? So I'd like to begin by be begin today by <coughs> talking together about why do we have holidays? Someone throw out a thought. Celebrate. Yeah. Holidays often have celebration in them. Yeah. To recognize. Yeah. Remember. Yes. Celebrate. Recognize. Remember. Yeah, 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 Nate. I like that. Yeah, to teach. <clears throat> okay, good. Yeah, th- that. Those are those are all really creative, helpful, helpful ideas. I'm 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 gonna try and summarize it this way. I think a holiday is important because it reminds us what story we find ourselves in. I think that's why. That's why any or society or group sets aside holidays, right? And we can think about that in lots of different contexts. We can think about that within uh, American society, how uh, we have holidays that tell, that tell a story about what it means to be American, right? So holidays, and if you look at the word, a holiday it, in its root comes from Uh, words that used to mean holy and day put together, right? So Pentecost is a day that we set aside as, as a holy day to remind us what story we find ourselves in, give us a coherent sense of identity and how we carry ourselves in the world to be faithful to that identity, right? Okay, so... The event of Pentecost actually will start in Acts chapter 2, but I think that it's important to review a little bit of background in Acts chapter 1 before we jump into the scene, if we're going to be shaped and formed uh, in the right story and and, uh, speak the lines that God wants us to speak faithfully. So in Acts chapter 1, or the end of the Gospels, Jesus has has resurrected, and Jesus has spent about 40 days in his nail-scarred but resurrected body with uh, the believers, right? And surely he talked about lots of different things, but at least um, uh, he talked about the kingdom of heaven, and, 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 and Luke says that, that uh, he explained and opened their minds to all sorts of stuff in the scriptures. But... As far as word for word, Luke actually only records two things in Acts chapter 1. First, he says, Jesus gives them the command to wait in Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father. And then, and then he's, he explains that that promise is no less than being baptized by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I think that's that's that that in itself is something interesting and powerful to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So whatever the Holy Spirit coming on us or being poured out or us interacting with the Holy Spirit means, uh, it's it is something transformational, right? Baptism we celebrate baptism as an act of new identity. So Jesus says, "Wait for wait wait." We're uh, right here in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then when uh, Jesus, just, just before Jesus uh, returns to the heavenly realm to be at the right, the right hand of the Father, Jesus says, not only will the Holy Spirit come upon you, but you will be my witnesses. Uh, first, in, first in Jerusalem, but expanding outward to the entire world. And then, Jesus, the, the Jesus who is the Redeemer of all the nations that God wants to redeem, Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah, who, who, who the Scriptures say was revealed the fullness of God, the exact imprint of God's being, that Jesus leaves the building, to use an imperfect phrase, and the disciples are staring up in heaven. I think it's funny that uh, an angel asked them, "What are you guys staring at?" Did uh, you not see that? Uh, so I think so. So just before we dive into Acts, Acts chapter two, we are in a space that I think is a pristine example of what you might call uh, what we might call a pregnant pause, right? So God has promised to keep speaking. But they left no one a script, and the disciples are standing at the edge of this space, and they know that they're going to be going on mission, but they don't know when, they don't know exactly how. What is God going to do? I think, I think if I try and put myself in that situation, I mean, I can think of, Several different things. I mean, one, I might be, I might be tempted to, to get, to, to, to get real scared again. I mean, I know that some pretty amazing stuff just happened, but, but I mean, Jesus just left the building, and, and I'm supposed to go out and, you know, preach, and or I'm supposed to go out and testify to the same guy who was just, uh, you know, shunned by everyone and executed by the state. Uh, I, think it'd be, I, think, I think it would be a temptation to get caught in fear, or maybe it would be a temptation like, whoa, this amazing stuff just happened, uh, maybe, maybe we can skip that part about waiting and just start organizing and start preaching and start going out and really share this awesome, exciting news, you know? capture all the social disorientation of everything that had been happening around Jerusalem since Passover and, you know, run with the story while it's hot. I think those are the sorts of things that we are easily tempted to. Certainly, running with the story while it's hot can be something that I think uh, the contemporary news mediums and cycles of our day kind of form us to think in that way. But what do the disciples do? Well, according to Acts chapter 1, what they did was, well, they also uh, elected someone to replace Judas. So there were 12 once again. But according to Acts chapter 1, they prayed. That's what they did. They prayed, and not just casual praying. They prayed... Constantly with earnestness they prayed while waiting for God. One more thing to keep in mind about context, I think, before we move into move into Pentecost. It wasn't just the disciples that were gathered together waiting, waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled. <clears throat> it was all the believers. Uh, Acts chapter 1 numbers it about 120. We're waiting together for God's next move. So, with that, let's enter into the reading of the the reading of the word for Pentecost. So, Acts chapter 2, we'll go to verse 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind It filled the entire house where they were sitting, divided tongues as a fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit RSV says gave them ability, uh, gave them ability or might say, uh, like enabled. I'm, I'm going to suggest us to hear something that I, I think that can be misleading. Replace what might appear all with, with the Spirit, gave them declarations, gave them, declar, gave them declarations to declare. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, smoky mist, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. <clears throat> this is the word of the Lord. And in the spirit of Pentecost, uh, por nuestros hermanos y hermanas uh, en español. Uh, 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 ahora bien, mientras estaba en progreso el día uh, de la fiesta de Pentecostes, Todos, todos se, se llaman juntos en el mismo lugar y de repente ocurrió desde el cielo, cielo un ruido exactamente como el de una brisa impetuosa y fuerte y llenó toda la casa en la cual estaban sentados y lenguas como de fuego se, se les hicieron visibles y fueron distribuidas en derredor y una se asentó sobre cada uno de ellos. Y todos se llenaron del Espíritu Santo y comenzaron a hablar en lenguas diferentes, así como el Espíritu les concedía expresarse. Sucedía que moraban en, en Jerusalén judíos, varones reverentes de toda nación de las que hay bajo el cielo. De modo que cuando este sonido ocurrió, la multitud se juntó Y se porque cada uno los oía hablar en su propio lenguaje. En verdad estaban pasmados y empezaron a admirarse y a decir, pues miran, todos estos que están hablando son Galileos, ¿verdad? Y sin embargo, ¿cómo es que oímos cada uno de nosotros ¿no? nuestro propio lenguaje en que nacimos? partos y medos y alamitas y los habitantes de mesopotamia y de judea y de capadocia junto del distrito de asia frigia y panfiria de egipto las partes de libia que está hacia sarin y residentes temporales procedentes de roma tanto judíos como proselitos cretenses y árabes Los oímos hablar en nuestras lenguas acerca de las cosas magníficas de Dios. Sí, todos estaban pasmados y perplejos, y se decían unos a otros, ¿qué querrá decir esto? Sin embargo, otros se mofaban de ellos y decían, están llenos de vino dulce. Para Pedro se puso de pie con los once y levantó la voz y les hizo esta expresión, Varones de Judea y todos ustedes los que son habitantes de Jerusalén, oído y más y oído a, a mis dichos. Estos de hecho no están barachos. cómo suponen ustedes? Pues es la hora tercera del día. Por el contrario, esto es lo que se dijo por medio del profeta Joel. Y en los últimos días dice Dios, dérame algo de Mi espíritu sobre toda clase de carne, y sus hijos y sus hijas profeti- profetizarán, y sus jóvenes darán visiones, y sus viejos sonarán sueños. Y aún sobre mis esclavos y sobre mis esclavas daré algo de mi espíritu en aquellos días, y profetizarán, y daré portentos prose- rosagiosos en el cielo arriba y señales en la tierra abajo, sangre y fuego y neblina de humo, el sol será convertido en, oscur- en oscuridad y la luna en sangre antes que llegue el grande eh, el ilustre día de Jehová y todo el que invoque el nombre de Jehová será salvo. No puedo predicar en español, pero eso es la Día de Dios. <clears throat> all right, brothers and sisters, so God moves indeed. And it happens on the day of Pentecost, right? which I think it is itself it is something important. Because it tends to be a pitfall of, of church history, or really, I think, any history for that matter, Perhaps a history teacher could could give us some really good good examples, but it tends to be a pitfall of church history that uh, that we that, that it's very it's it's very tempting to to disregard or invalidate what came before the present time if it if it no longer seems seems relevant or certainly if it's offensive. But God fulfills this promise on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was a Greek term for the Jewish festival of weeks. All right, if you want to read about the appointed festivals in, uh, in <clears throat> the Jewish law, then go to, Le- go to Leviticus 20- Le- Leviticus 23. Pentecost was one of three. But I spring it up to say that when, when God shows up to fulfill this promise, to do this thing that seems like it's a new thing, God shows up on a day when the people of God were, 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 were used to bring, bringing sacrifices to the temple. They were used to bearing public witness of what, that, that, that they were God's people. They were used to practices and living out, showing their identity as the people of God. And that's when God shows up to fulfill this promise. I think it, it 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 reminds us because Pentecost is sometimes referred to as the birthday of the church, and there's a lot of truth in that. But if we press that too far, we can we can almost make it seem like what came before is, uh, of is is some aborted draft, you know, of God of of God's of God writing God's story. But Pentecost and the yearly rhythm of coming back to it, I think reminds us that when God writes God's story, that it is about the first word written at the beginning of all things, and the last word will not be written until the redeeming of all things. <clears throat> God doesn't, God, God doesn't have blank pages or, or aborted uh, drafts to toss aside all part of God's story so the day of Pentecost comes and the believers were all together and then uh, Luke like, like a lot of biblical authors uh, <clears throat> grasps, grasps, grasps at elements of nature to try and describe what happens when God literally shows up and <clears throat> And I think that the 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 imagery that Luke uses is 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 it's, it's it's rich and it's got a lot of different echoes within the pages of God's story that I that that, that I think that I think we should hear. So, a rushing violent wind or tongues of fire, a fire and wind, of course, are they sh- they show up a lot in God's story whenever. Um, well, several different contexts, but theophany language. So whenever God literally shows up on the scene, like when the law was first given to the, to the Israelites on Mount Sinai, as God descended in fire, fire is used, or the pillar of fire that, that guides the Israelites when, they, when they're leaving Egypt. So this is, this is the language of God showing up. It's also fire and wind is language that tends to show up a lot when, um, when god is, when God is talking about um, purifying God's people or giving God's people a word to be able to speak on God's behalf. Uh, if you read, there's tons of references all, all over the uh, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament that Jake talked about last week. Where it talks about the sacrifices that uh, God appoints to be brought to the temple and burned, it says that the the aroma of the smoke rising from the altar is pleasing to the Lord. Or the prophet Isaiah, when he is about when before he uh, begins his ministry, uh, he 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 says to God, "Oh, I I can't speak for you because I'm a man of I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips." And and an angel brings a live coal, a you know, hot coal, and places it on Isaiah's lips. It says, "Now I have now I have purified you. and Now you will speak on on my behalf." And also one of my favorite contexts, the context when God is about to do an act, the, the God God is about to do an act of new creation. I think of like Ezekiel 37 the Valley of the Dry Bones vision, where Ezekiel sees, sees his dry bones and the Lord comes to him and says, Lord, can, can these bones live? Bones, re- bones representing the exhausted, broken, lifeless hope, lifeless place that God's people found themselves in. And so God's, God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath. And a breath is sent from the four winds and the bones start to rise up. They start to have, they start to take form and they start to, they start to move. So fire and wind are powerful, powerful images that I think can help prime our imaginations for what, for, for, for what Luke says explicitly in verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. The same, the same Holy Spirit that brought all things into being out of nothingness has filled the has filled the believers. Remember, not just the disciples, but the believers, all of them. From the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, they have been shot through with the Holy Spirit of God. Maybe like 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 ink. Like if you put a if you put a drop of ink in water, it just spreads throughout the whole thing, right? This verb filling, it has that sense of being filled to the fullness, right? Filled to the brim. And then uh, the reason that I I, I said the Spirit gave them declarations to declare, whereas a lot of translations might say gave them ability or enabled them, the Greek word is uh, apothangami, which doesn't appear a whole lot in the New Testament or the Bible, but it does. When when it does appear, it seems to have to do with the act of prophesying or being a prophet. It also had use in secular Greek culture as um, like wise men saying elevated or important things. But what 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 we don't want to get the idea of what 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 the Lord was speaking to me this week was: this isn't about Pentecost. Is not about God giving uh, just the disciples some special gift or or. Um, uh, and an extraordinary gift of leadership just just so they could help get the whole that uh, this whole christianity idea off the ground right it wasn't that Pentecost i believe is a is, is is this radical expanding of something that god had been doing through god's people ever since Noah giving them a word to speak on god's behalf or a, a a redemptive word that that helped helped tell god's story to god's creation <clears throat> now uh more precisely what that word was uh, we we don't well we we don't exactly know but if we follow the story uh all we know is that the 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 Jews and the crowd uh, they 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 were kind of they were kind of divided, right? But I uh, I don't know I think I think in, in 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 our own day it wouldn't be too too hard to imagine that this group is not too too different from a, from 120 of us maybe gathered here. If we all spread out around Chipman Commons and just started loudly shouting God stories uh, in the in the language of every nationality represented within the Kansas City metro area, it probably wouldn't take too many um, social media posts for Chipman Commons to become a hornet's nest of spectators and speculation. Right. So, obviously, this kind of has the same the the same effect when um, when when Pentecost happens and the, the Spirit fills fills the the believers, and so Paul reports that it, that it actually kind of a there's kind of two camps here. There's one there's some people that are just completely at a loss for words, like they don't they don't have an explanation. They're just dumbfounded. Uh, and then but then there's some people. Uh, who who look at it and they find this they find a, a cynical way to uh, ex- rationalize it away or say oh well this is just a very peculiar expression of uh, of drunkenness <coughs> now the the list of geographic terms the the list of geography that that paul that the that, that Luke that Luke expands upon in verses uh, seven through through eleven spans thousands of miles across the uh, the uh, Roman empire as 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 it was then so we we can safely assume that uh, that the disciples are speaking in speaking in languages that they had never spoken in before. So surely, so surely we don't we aren't we aren't left to accept the uh, cynic's explanation that um, oh this is this is just a really weird expression of uh, being on something, right? So what is going on? Peter. So Peter stands up. Keep in mind, this is the same Peter who, about 50 days prior, was was around a small gathering at night and couldn't even acknowledge Jesus' name before a servant girl. Peter gets up, stands in front of the whole crowd. That seems, that seems pretty significant. And he says, no, no, this isn't, this is not, this is not being overly tipsy. No, this is not just some uh, spiritual delirium or, you know, some sort of, some sort of high that, you know, or... Loosens, uh, just kind of loosens one's normal in one's normal inhibitions, allows one to do uh, some things they don't normally do. No, it's not that. It also says, "Well, and and it's not entirely, entirely new or unexpected either." Uh, there's lots of different answers we could give, rooted in good and profound theology, for what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We talk about the temple of the Holy Spirit that Paul, that our bodies being temples of the Holy Spirit, like Paul talks about, or we could go to Jesus's uh, uh, the final kind of discourses he gives to his disciples and John's gospel. But let's let's stick with what Peter's. Is. He gets up and he says, "No, what's going on is actually something that that, that, that God that, that God had already spoken about through a humble servant named Joel many generations ago in, in the last days it will be God declares. But I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Uh, your translation uh, different. I, I think we can follow the example of a lot of other translation, uh, a lot of other translations and commentators, and instead of flesh, say people, all human beings. The uh, Greek word can have a lot of different meanings, but <clears throat> here it seems to be saying all people, and many translations will use that. And that's the first. That's the first thing that I, the, the, the first thing that I, that I believe we need to allow soak to soak deeply into us, and that if we allowed it to soak deeply into us, God could make us. God could use our lives to share and embody a redemptive, a redemptive word, a redemptive reality. For ourselves and for the world around us. Because God does not say the, the spirit poured out on some people. This is not the spirit poured out on, on, on just the straight people or just the LGBTQ people. This is not the spirit poured out on... You know, we can, we can look at the story of Elizabeth's baby jumping in her womb when Mary comes, jumping Elizabeth's baby, jumping in her womb because it's in the presence of the Messiah. Not just the persons who are born, but also the persons who are yet to be born. And, and, and the point is not to get stuck on any particular right side or the left side because because the list goes on and on of of the of the identities and the ways that people get categorized and divided to say well yeah god god is for you and come and receive and the spirit blesses you on one side but then The other side, it's well, you got to fix this first. You got to change this first. No, Pentecost is about the Spirit being poured out on all people. God choosing to move to envelop all of God's creation and invite them to participate in God's redeeming work in the world. God doesn't wait. God doesn't wait to move based on anything that the disciples or anyone else can produce. Based on, based on any reckoning of the world's judgment to say, yep, I'm ready, I deserve it. But no, God moves of God's own initiative and pours out His Spirit on all people. And the, this verb "pouring out," it's not just like when the waiter or the waitress comes by and say, "Oh, let me refill your water." No, this is this is like this is like this is like a, this is like a heavy rain, a heavy downpour. It's the same verb that's used like when Jesus gives this teaching about pouring new wines into new wine he said, well, if you do that, if you pour the the new wine into old wineskins that that wine is going to burst and then everything that's in there is going to just gush out everywhere. So the spirit is moving moving with with God's with God's holy love, moving outward, enveloping and embracing and of course. And speaking of, fleshing that out a a little further, Joel's prophecy says, well, so what does that mean? He said, so that means your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, old men dream dreams, even on slaves, both men and women, they shall prophesy. Now, in, in any biblical context, putting... Slaves and non-slaves, men and women, on this, on, on, and on, on an equal plane. Regarding God's activity, <clears throat> or God's favor, was to speak of an alternate reality, not the way the world works. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying Pentecost negates all the portions of Scripture that talk about boundaries that God clearly wants to establish for belief and behavior. I'm not saying Pentecost just throws that out. But what I am saying Pentecost means Lord help me is that we we cannot we cannot engage in those In those discussions in a God-honoring or neighbor-loving way unless we do so with the conviction that the Holy Spirit is moving in and between and active among all parties involved. Relationship with God is always transformational. There's no exceptions to that, just like there's no exceptions to the Spirit being poured out. But the but the hope and the empowerment of Pentecost is that is that is that when we talk about that we do that with 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 the confidence and the joy that God is moving through his whole that God is moving in the Holy Spirit to empower whatever changes need to happen. Amen. Now. So the spirit is poured out. Like I said, there's there, there's lots of different I think ways rooted in good and profound theology. We can talk about what it means for the spirit to be poured out, but when Paul here in Pentecost he specifically t- says, and, ugh, "Don't tip over." the He specifically says that that you shall dream dreams and see visions and uh, people will prophesy let's just let's just simplify all that and say that this dreaming of dreaming of dreams and seeing of visions and prophesying and keep in mind here the scripture doesn't say it's not that I will ask you to prophesy or uh, I will I will uh, uh, i I will um, you or you might prophesy or uh, <clears> they're <throat> gonna try you're 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 gonna try really hard or I mean, the, the 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 point is it just says they shall prophesy. so this is something that God is saying. God is saying becomes a part of the new way of life once the Holy Spirit fills. So that's not something we talk about a whole lot. I'm just curious. What comes to mind when you hear the word prophecy? what 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 what, what is prophecy about? Future? Okay. Figure that one would come up. Future. I definitely think that's meaningful. Part of the answer. What else? Truth. Truth. Very good. Any other thoughts? Uh, that cannot be that cannot be denied. it does God's words that's essential Great start. Well, <clears throat> we could yeah, we could go to lots of different particular verses or places and the Old Testament prophets or sayings of Jesus and highlight all four of those things. My mind was drawn to something and and I'll admit it's it's based off of a book that I read by Walter Brueggemann, but it's one where he's working creatively with. with the biblical story and the overarching narrative. And he suggests that prophetic living what's called that is about about submitting ourselves because it's not it's it's not about doing ourselves or trying to come up within our own strength or imagination. A, a particular word it's about submitting ourselves to receive from God a word that that falls within a rhythm an interlocking rhythm of life that moves between three things there's grief grief it's acknowledging through word and or action or or attitude that something is separating us from God. You look I mean you, you look at the Old Testament prophets and they're prophesying to a people that we're so sure that hey, because we're the chosen people, it really doesn't matter what happens around us, as long as we're offering the sacrifices, we're following the rituals and the rules of, of what God said we had to do, as long as we keep that up. It really doesn't matter how we talk to each other or how we treat each other or, uh, or how we act in the world. And the prophets will, 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 will say things like, like, rend your heart and not your clothes. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. <clears throat> so grief is this being cut to the heart. Being deeply moved and stirred up when we see something in our own lives or the world around us that that is separating us from God. That 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 is a prophetic way of living. Because because the world, I I think we don't have to look too we don't have to look too too many places, look too far to see that. That what th- that what the world would encourage us to do when we see something that's wrong. It's either take t- t- take take whatever you have to take and do whatever you have to do to get on top or to fix it, or find 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 something to get addicted to so you don't have to feel the pain. But grief is saying no. I do feel the pain. And I need to acknowledge it before God. And from grief, reality. Telling the truth. Telling the truth. Thank you, Nate. About through word or action. About where either, you know, sometimes about like where where a particular path, a particular way of being is going to lead, which... Old, the Old Testament prophets were constantly saying, yeah, this is not going to end in a good place, or telling the truth about what, what God intends, grief to reality to hope. And of course, life isn't always quite so scripted, right? It's not like we have to. It's not like we're going to sit down and analyze everything. Like, oh, okay, this is grief, and now this is right. Life is always a bit more unpredictable. But it's <clears throat> it's getting caught up in this rhythm, where 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 we grieve, where we speak, somehow embody God's reality, and we do so in hope. I hope, trusting through word and or action, that the future God is established in Christ and in the Spirit will have will 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 we'll have the last word. That the kingdom that Christ came and 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 embodied in his life and established as death and resurrection within the world. Within flesh and blood, broken human history, that that, that that kingdom which was established, and then and then and then the entire and then all of us being being invited and caught up in being caught up in the flow, empowered to be able to 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 live in that kingdom hope is 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 a prophetic way of living i don't have to listen to more than more more than one newscast to see that the world the world around us finds very little to hope in and a whole lot to despair so it is a prophetic way of living to be a people of hope. So as we remember Pentecost, things I love about the Christian calendar is we, on the holiday, we remember a particular event or person, and what that means for our lives. But the Christian calendar is really about seasons. So for the last six weeks, we've been in the season of Easter. So we celebrated that Christ was risen. And then, and then the idea is for six weeks, we talked about it. We, we read scripture about it. We immersed ourselves in that meaning. And so Pentecost, we, we've celebrated that, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out, for me anyway, this just kind of then becomes a prayer for the rest of the pentecost season of god show me show me your grief and show me how to express your grief for not for the things in my life and in your world that are broken and unsustainable or destructive and god show me show me your show me your reality and show me how to speak it how to embody it before my neighbors in a way that 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 invites them to be to be transformed and to be changed by your by your holy love. And Lord, show me your hope. Show me how to be a person of hope. Show me, show me, God, how how to confront the brokenness, the despair, or the anger, or the the division that, that keeps trying to enter my own life and keeps trying to enter your world. And help me respond with the hope that this is not the way it has to be. And this is not the way it will be. Because, because God has promised. To renew all things. Well, one other thing whenever the Spirit shows up, we can be sure that when the Spirit shows up, the Spirit's going to point to Jesus. And whatever the Spirit does, going to make real something that Christ has already made possible so it's fitting to move from the celebration of Pentecost and the and the Pentecost story to the table Uh servir the and English speaking brothers and sisters who will be helping to serve, please come to the table of the Lord's Supper.